and this is future Christina talking while editing the video and I'm just gonna say that this is part one because I may have one it saying that in a completely humble way because it wasn't me who was the reason I won the cases but I won three court cases but this video is part one because the first court case kind of lasted a while to explain the reasons I won and why I was able to win in terms of emotional strength and during such a difficult time and I just wanted to make it its own episode so watch part two when you want to listen to the reason I won lawsuit number two where I was the plaintiff and then lawsuit number three where I was the defendant okay so I can't wait for you to listen to part one and there we go hello everyone I've waited years to record this episode and so that's how you know it's a good one okay so here we go this is how I won three lawsuits at age, I was around 20, 21, 22. So I know it was all within a two year time span. And this isn't because I'm an excellent, amazing, intelligent person. None of this was in my own power. I always had help. And I just want this episode to be about how when you're going through the hardest time in your life, when you feel like there's no hope, you're completely alone, there's nobody and you can't possibly go on, there's always going to be provision given for you. And just know that the things you go through, they don't happen to you, they happen for you. So let's jump into it. Lawsuit number two and three, is absolutely insane and I wish and I kind of want to like my instinct wants to start with that because it's just so insane but I think that I want to show how even though I had almost no faith for lawsuit number one it still turned out well because as I got older my faith increased more and more but I think I can show that even if you have zero faith that things will still be okay because in life will all be dealt with chaos and just horrible things happening to you feeling abandoned by others but those things happen so that let's see why do they happen i had two specific reasons let me try to remember i this is so intense that i almost forget so you go through these things oh yeah okay so you go through these difficult impossible situations in life that you're too weak for because these experiences are what are going to be used to turn you into the person you've always wanted to be and are meant to be and secondly maybe even more important they'll always be used to help others because those people that help you have gone through horrible things that have given them the strength that will help you and one day you will be that for someone and it might just change their life 
and save their life because I think that winning some of these suits did save my life. Okay, so let's begin. I feel very nervous, but I want to do it for you. And because God told me to, and I do mostly whatever God tells me, even though he gives me free will, so I can still mess up. So that was like a hyperbole, but let's get into it. So lawsuit number one. Okay. I need to say this because it relates to lawsuit number one, because I want to say right off the bat that one of the ingredients that caused me to win each time. Oh, by the way, the title is accurate. It's how I won three lawsuits investing no money, <laughs> having almost no talent, and just how you can do it too. Okay. So law school, number one, I had no legal help, no legal advice, no lawyer, didn't even seek out a lawyer, which is kind of shocking, but I think it it shows how, how miracles happen. Okay. Oh, and Okay, the second important thing I had to say is each person involved on the, okay, so just I'll say the legal terms first. The person that is starting the lawsuit is the plaintiff. So for two of the lawsuits, I was the plaintiff and the third one, I was the defendant. And so each time, whether I was the plaintiff or defendant, I was guided to and without even knowing I had to forgave the adversaries each time and I think that's what helped me heal and be emotionally stable before I had to talk to the judges and to face my enemies okay so each of these lawsuits was a true extreme betrayal people that I told them that I had loved that I trusted and let myself be veritable very vulnerable with so person number one was and keep in mind if you have traumas in life i will make sure to tell these stories in a way that won't trigger you i'll just use like the terms but i won't go into anything graphic because then less people can listen i wouldn't be able to listen to something like that so here we go Lawsuit number one is someone that you can consider my boyfriend at the time. And I use extremely harsh quotes on that because it was a kind of relationship where the person's friends would call me their girlfriend. But to me, I told them and the person knew that I wasn't their girlfriend because I wasn't in love with them. And I'm not going to be considering myself someone's girlfriend unless I see a future with them and really can see that they're my husband. So this was just a person that was in my life that you could maybe more accurately say I was dating them. And I created the lawsuit once things were over to protect myself and make sure that they also never hurt anybody else. Because in life when people commit crimes just in the judicial system just so you mean a lot of the reason they're prosecuted and lose will to protect future people to establish rules in society and so i think there were a lot of reasons why this person lost so and keep in mind the other person did have a lawyer so the hearing felt like 
it was me against their lawyer, not even them. Okay. So this was just a, oh, and okay. So this was, I'm born in 1999. The year was 2020. And so do the math for me. I think I was 20 or 21. I really was trying to, and I was born in April. So I was trying to do it in my head, but keep in mind 20 or 21. So I, a police officer who wasn't even on my side, particularly is the person who gave me the idea to start these proceedings because I don't think I would have came up on it on my own. But so this had happened because I think I was going out with this person maybe for six months, maybe less. I kind of forget timing after things over. Things are over. So ask any of my ex-boyfriends how long I dated them because I really, not in a rude way, but I don't quite remember because that's not the part that I gain from the relationships. What I gain from them is like love, knowledge, and happy memories. So I don't really remember the timing. But so this person, and keep in mind, if you're any of these people that lost these lawsuits, know that I forgive you. I hold nothing against you and each person I prayed for. And I hope that you live like a long, happy, full life because I do forgive you. And this experience is a big part of my life that I wouldn't ever remove. And I'm healed now. And I hope that you are too. And I've prayed that you have been. Okay. So should we even give this person a name? We can name him Charlie. Okay. So this was a domestic violence situation. So I hoped that this could inspire any person, whether it's a female or a male, that if you've been mistreated, you leave the second you realize that you were mistreated or the crime has been committed against you, you leave, stop talking to them, never talk to them again and do everything you can to make sure you're safe because with domestic violence, and this is especially with male to female, where the female is the victim, that's how women die and that's why I follow the police officer's advice. Okay, so the situation, the incident where the crimes were committed against me was at a college campus. And so I think it was a few days later that it was the demise of the relationship, obviously. And so I need, I knew I needed to report it because my biggest motivation of reporting things like this it's both to protect myself, to have the record. So if anything were to happen again, people know exactly what happened, what evidence was there. And also finally, almost most importantly, is so that it really deters the person from ever hurting another woman. And I think it really does help because at the end, I want to talk about a Title IX case I had that I didn't technically win. But I know the person felt so bad that they'll never do it again. I do know that. Okay, so on to the actual lawsuits. <laughs> Not to say it with a smile, but yeah. 
So domestic violence, a few days later, once I was emotionally recovered, less shaky, less shocked, I called the university police to record it and make an incident report. And I did that for both of the lawsuits that I initiated. I called campus police because that's just the quickest method, the most young person friendly, because it can get a little complicated when you call the city police or town police or state police. Okay, so I called the, uh, just one of the campus police, okay? The first question they asked me is, is this person an athlete? Because it really seems like if the per, because the school was a D1 school, you know, where the athletes, they can't do drugs, they can't commit crimes, they can't do illegal shit. So I think that if the person I was reporting was on one of the sports, one of the sports where the manager literally follows the athletes and they all go on a private jet to the different games, they probably would have gotten kicked off. So the person, luckily for them, wasn't on a sport, so they weren't kicked off of a team. But they do now have a criminal record, unfortunately, for them. But I hope that they can one day uh, move past that and continue to have a good life for themselves. So I reported it to the campus police. And so I had all my evidence, and I just told the guy the narrative. He had a nice southern accent. But, okay, the second aspect, and honestly, besides God, was like the main reason I think I was able to win this suit is because of the advice my therapist gave me. Lawsuits are all about emotional recovery and speaking like from the honest truth, and that's how you win. So... Just what my therapist said as to frame and introduce the conversation with the police officer was she said, hmm, it's good you reported it, Christina, but what he said to you was like kind of blaming the victim here. And so when you're standing up for yourself, there's going to be pushback. Not everyone is going to be for you. There might only be a few people for you. And so you just have to push past the treatment, the treatment that you don't deserve. Because a lot of things will happen in life that you don't deserve whatsoever. But like I said, they're just going to make you the person you're supposed to be. And so this man that I talked to, the officer, he just said, oh boy, like obviously what happened to me was not good. And he just, his advice that he gave to me was that, what was it? Oh, he just said, you guys should both get restraining orders against every." against each other, which that's why my therapist said it was blaming the victim. But it gave me good advice because in that situation, I, what also drove me to get the protective order and okay. So there's it depends on the state. So for example, in California, they use the terms completely synonymously and I'm talking about a restraining order versus a protective order. So a protective order is a type of restraining order. Most people are more are probably more familiar with the term restraining order, but 
it is the type of restraining order that really, really protects the person bringing the case because it's for domestic violence. And even though the legal system and the police system, there's a lot of really horrible things they don't take seriously. They do take domestic violence seriously, like an, a type of restraining order that's not as easy to obtain and they don't take it seriously as a stalking restraining order. Just an example, at least in D.C. and Maryland, I also will add a detail about court that relates to that. Because you guys know from some of my episodes, or maybe not, that I did have a stalker for two years, but I didn't have to press any charges against him because he listened to me. But, okay, back to Charlie. So I knew that I needed to make this legal proceeding against him so that it would be my side of the story and that I'd be protected. And so that if he made one against me, mine would be established first and that the courts would hear the truth and that I wouldn't be like vulnerable to attack from him. And so I think things would have been different if this bad thing happened to me and the person did leave me alone. But I just remembered some things that really were iffy about the person. And so I knew I had to take more serious action to perfect myself. Okay, so how it goes when you are starting a restraining order is that it depends on the state. So this was back when, even though it was during coronavirus times in Maryland, which is where this proceeding was. So luckily I can tell you guys both about the Maryland court system and the D.C. court system because this first restraining order was in Maryland. So, to start a case, you go to the, oh gosh, I need to remember the name, but okay. I want this store to be general anyway. So, first you write the complaint, and the complaint is where you just write the person's name, your name, their description, where you write down all the facts of the crimes you committed against you because even though a restraining order is a civil proceeding, they need to commit crimes against you. And there were like at least three crimes committed against me. So that's why I was able to win because if no crimes were committed against you, then you're out of luck. But, and you would, you need to use something else. But if, crimes were committed against you, you have a strong case because it really is pretty obvious when someone has done something wrong and the courts will protect you in some way and the police. So, oops. Okay. So step one is the complaint. Step two is that you present your case to a, case to a judge. And so all of this was in person. I go to there in my like best outfit. I wore, I, I still remember a black and white dress and a blazer, and I remember it being warm out. And so you go to the court, and I noticed all the other people there 
weren't dressed as nice and that's not to judge them but when you're doing something so important when you want to win you want to look as professional as possible so that you're taken as seriously as possible so i go into the courtroom there was like a waiting period i filled out the complaint in person and then they said okay wait in line and then i waited to talk to the judge i'm trying to remember whether the judge was female or male this first one i forget but i'll remember the other ones for you guys so i presented so they just say okay what happened and i just went right into it i said this person did a b c to me and so this first time you present the case to the judge when it's just you and the judge is extremely important because if you are in danger or okay so i'll just go into it so step like this beginning stage before the other person is served before they're involved at all the judge is going to assess whether they think that you are in immediate danger and if they do then they're going to give you a temporary restraining order against the person and this temporary order might have even more strict regulations on what that abuser can't do than the permanent restraining order or the two-year restraining order and so for example some things that could happen the person is if they're in the same room as you they can get arrested they're not allowed to contact you whatsoever in any way and they can't contact you through third parties either no harassment is allowed and no harassment through third parties is allowed and if they do any of those things they could be arrested and they can have to pay the city of or not the city but you know the state of maryland fines they get a record anything bad like that and so that's what happened i was granted a temporary restraining order against the person and i was safe immediately and so things like that can be intimidating but I don't know if I'm going to say I was lucky because I've talked to like at least five judges and I think it's because the way I went into it, their energy made me feel like they were, they're sitting there to listen to you. So they felt like very good listeners and they just said, granted. And I walked out of there feeling like a, feeling like I had a victory and like I was really safe. And just while I'm explaining this stage of the lawsuit, I'll just say that it was even, well, it was still intimidating, but it was even more casual for DC because it seems like DC was more strict with coronavirus regulations and everything was online, including the initial complaint. Like I spoke on the phone to a judge and so it's like hey bae just kidding not that chill but they didn't even have to look at me i didn't even have to be in professional clothes i just said this is what happened to me please grant this for me or else i'm in danger so there you go okay so 
stage oh the next stage is not that it's comical but it is intense because each time i served a person you can check off on the complaint who you want to serve the person so what i recommend is having the police serve them so whatever the head of police is in maryland is who knocked on this person's apartment door to say you have to show up in court on this date for what you did to this person like for the act and then they get the packet of exactly your complaint what you wrote about them what they'll need to defend themselves about and I just could imagine how intimidating that is because I had to talk to police when I was being accused, but they literally looked at me with pity because when you're not in the wrong, a lot of the time, you can just tell, okay? And that will be explained when I talk about situation two and three. Okay, so they got served the like the sheriff counted locked on their door sent that gave hand delivered them that packet and that's just one of the important requirements of bringing someone to court and winning you have to serve them and if you took civil procedure in law school you know how many like there's all these statutes about timing but i just don't remember right now i'm just making this to help people emotionally and inspire you in general Okay, so on to the court hearing. So, where do I even begin? So, I think I only lightly considered getting legal help with this, but I think that I thought my case was so strong that I would be fine. Because when you want to win something, you'll first look at what you need to establish like the elements of the crime or the elements needed for whatever charge you're putting against them so for example i just looked for what i needed to have facts about that would allow me to win a case for example for a restraining order for a domestic violence restraining order they you need to have a close relationship with a person whether that's like so sorry i just had a brain fart you can be in a, a sexual or romantic relationship with them another option is you just live with the person so it can be platonic living but you guys were close friends or i think it's share kids together so it's like you establish that element you establish that they commit the crime against you whether that's a threat of assault physical assault things like that and i think one is that they defaced your property destroyed property and so those are the elements and there might be a few more but those are just the main things to say so if you had something against you and you have to present it in court then make sure that you have support and evidence for all of those elements that are required and that's how you win to clearly and honestly show all of that and so this is where the emotional support came in the people that were put in my life at this time 
or my therapist who gave me advice on how to verbalize the reason that the person might be saying because keep in mind when you're accusing someone of something even though the beginning of the hearing you raise your right hand and you solemnly swear that everything you say is the truth and that if you lie that's considered contempt of court it's perjury and so you could get in big trouble for that like you can get prison time for that you have to pay money, it's on your record. So the audacity of the people that are willing to lie is, I don't even want to know what drives a person to do that, but no judgment. It happens all the time, unfortunately. So just be prepared that when you do these things, even though if you're saying the truth, you're the person, the right, the only thing the other person has to defend themselves is lies. And they actually even brought in evidence that made me look really bad. But again, because I was the true victim, it it didn't affect the outcome. So yeah, one of the things my therapist just said to me was something you can say when the person lies is then when it's your time to rebut what they say, you say he's just saying that because he wants to doesn't want to get in trouble. And so when you're really just speaking from the truth, you don't need to be a legal expert knowing exactly what objections to say. You are just presenting the truth to the judge and the judge here has heard hundreds of cases and knows all the signs of who's the person in the wrong. So that was one step. And then I told you guys that the other person had a lawyer and I didn't. So... Again, what I said, sometimes the hardest parts of your life are the times you'll feel most alone is because I felt like that person in the court, also Zoom court. So it's like you have to look at these people directly in the eye all at the same time. The judge, the lawyer, and the adverse party to you. So I saw the ex and his legal support and the guy who's trying to figure out who's in the wrong here so how oh and what i meant to say is even though i was an emo teen who would sit in my room sometimes during the worst times of my life like 17 years old wanting to die because i couldn't get along with my family guess who was there for me during my low point my family so first I just had my sister on video chat just like balanced on my desk. She had gone like she was busy, but she just went and sat in her car and listened because I didn't have anyone there for me, but knowing she was there meant everything to me. And then she wasn't the only one who was listening for me. I think after a little bit, I said like, to my sister thank you so much for being here for me uh now my stepdad is free to step in and it's like my stepdad was at work and he was listening to this court case for me so we were able to discuss the ridiculous things we heard after and so yeah just keep in mind that person might have had their intense lawyer trying to make like to face my character with everything they could do 
and all I had was my stepdad just listening and it meant the world to me. And so that's how that part went. First, I presented what happened to me. Then the other person presents either why it's not true and their side of the story. And then I got a chance to rebut them, ask them questions and keep in mind, they said, do you have any questions? Like the judge said, do you have any questions for Charlie? And I said, no, because he's just going to lie. But <laughs> so even though I had those like slightly sassy moments that aren't condoned because you're just because the judge said no extra comments, yes or no. So I said, no, no questions for the defendant. So there you go. The defendant brought up physical evidence that made me look bad. The judge said, Christina, is this true? because it didn't look so good. But I just said, yes, this is true. This is something that happened and I regret it. But I know it's just like I've reevaluated the situation. It was not good what I did, but this doesn't change at all what happened to me. And so just when you're in a lawsuit, and people are trying to make you look bad, you just have to go back to the law and say whatever outside information is being brought, which are character attacks. See, I didn't say that part, but this is just a side note to you, lovely listeners. You just say, like, despite what they're presenting, the elements of the crime and the civil breach are still there. And so the judge would have known that without me even saying anything. But when you're able to make these arguments yourself, you're just making it so much easier for the judge to see the truth. And so that's what I did for all three cases. And so that's just what happened. It's complex, but it's also simple. And so what the judge said at the end had said, it's like, he was like, I heard you, Charlie. I heard your perspective, but this restraining order is being granted for Christina's protection because in the end, we need to protect the people. Well, I didn't even live there. I was going to say we need to protect the citizens of Maryland, but because I, even though I'm a DC resident, but the incident happened in Maryland. That's why we were in Maryland court. And at first I thought, oh, perfect that it's in Maryland because, you know, DC has horrific crimes, gangs, murders. And I just thought, oh, DC court system has no time like to help me who's just having these like non-gang attacks on me. But DC was just as hard on the criminals. So that's just a side note. So it was just such a relief. And so keep in mind, I had forgiven the other person because I had asked my therapist, I said, how can I forgive him? And she just said, like, see him as a broken person, which he was because just a side note, everyone is broken until they've accepted God into their life to heal them that's just something i believe but she just said just see him as a broken person who he didn't have the best and when you do this it's not excusing their behavior but when you see them as a human and that someone just like when you kind of 
honestly have compassion for them. You don't need to have empathy, but you can have compassion and sympathy. Just see like he was granted this hand in life. It made him broken. It's like an emotionally immature person. And you can forgive them. And so I forgave him. But the next step was I have to forgive myself. Forgive myself. And the reason it was harder to forgive myself is because victims all the time. I've seen it. My friends too. They're always going to blame themselves. I've never seen a time where a victim hasn't blamed themselves. And so first she said, what you're saying sounds like you're blaming yourself. So stop doing that because it's not your fault. Nothing's going to excuse someone like laying a hand or a leg on you. There is no excuse for that. So she just said, like, this person chose to do that to you even when they didn't have to. So you were just objectively wronged. And she said, what you did in this situation is... So there was one bad incident that made me see what happened to me. And you know, some things when bad happened things to you is you can forget them. So once I left the person, I was able to remember what they did to me because then I was safe. And it, I wonder if that's ever happened to anyone where you've gotten, you were able to remember things once the relationship is completely over. But there were things that they had did to me that were not okay earlier on. And because I forgot that, I wasn't really able to see the signs because I would forget them. But she said, like, throughout this, you weren't weak. You were strong because you also were just trying to give this person a fair chance. And you were just trying to treat him like a human. And that is what I did. But when you're in the wrong relationship you are going to act out of character. And so I would just say, like, I'm a really loving partner, but when I was with someone who had a certain level of emotional maturity, it can cause the other person to get the ick. And when you have the ick, you're going to act out of character and get annoyed more easily, and it's going to be hard to move past issues. And so that was just that. I forgive Charlie completely, and something kind of weird is that on my way to church, maybe like a month ago, so after this happened, it's 2023, I haven't seen him in three years, but I saw him at my metro station, like I live in, we'll just say, I live in Cleveland Park, okay, I just set a random neighborhood on the red line, but I saw him, and you know those people that you have a unpredictable relationship with that was in the past a lot of the time they'll avoid eye contact but that person did not break eye contact with me and just like a side note that is something i'll say because i like to bring my personal life or i mean personal explanations through these is that not long after I was granted the restraining order against the person. He did enter a new relationship. And one of my best friends now, he was friends with me at the time. She just said, like, oh, does it bother you that he moved on? And I just said, like, no. And I hope that he never hurts anyone again. I hope he treats that person better. I hope they're more compatible. Because it's not going to be a good relationship if one person really doesn't want to be with the other person. That person's needs are not going to be granted. And 
So I just said, no, I hope that he's so much more happy that this girl is right for him. And I just hope he lives a happy life now because like everyone deserves to, even though this is really a really bad mistake, uh, God will forgive anyone for anything. And that's the only way someone can be better. And so I will forgive them too. Okay, so that's a story of restraining order number one. Okay, everyone, so here are my closing thoughts. I'm so grateful for this difficult time I went through. When it was over, it was such a relief. I had no clue who was going to be against me, who was for me at first. People didn't understand. At first, my family didn't understand. They said, why did this happen to you? And they were talking to me in ways where I had to explain to them. I said, keep in mind, I'm not right now the strong person that you raised and have always known. I'm in a very fragile state, a very weak state. So please speak to me like I'm a weak person and so I'm not strong. So anything you can say to people during the times that are horrible for you is going to benefit you and it's going to teach them too how to speak to you. And so that was the first thing. The second thing, I honestly educated them and just sent them a link. I said, this is a educational website for people that have gone through domestic violence or have loved ones either in domestic violence or just survivors of it. And so it just, it, it's an amazing website. Maybe I should link it in the bio if I remember, but it just explains why someone would be in a relationship like this, why it might mess with your head, why someone might love someone who hurts them and just how you can talk to them and how you can understand them, how this could happen to even a strong person that loves themselves. And so there you go. Get ready for part two or three because I think that it's even crazier. It involves way more people and part two and is more crazy because this person in part one may have had a lawyer, but the adverse party for lawsuit two and three had witnesses galore against me. I had no witnesses that were willing to come. And yet I won because of the amazing people that God put in my life to help me, to protect me. Okay. I love you with all of my heart. Talk soon AF.